Welcome to the Truth Wars Podcast with Dr. Olin Stubbs. Olin has recently written his first book, which is titled, What to Do with Worry, Why Playing God Never Works. You can find Olin's book on ChristianFocus.com and Amazon.com. Now, here's Olin. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, while you turn there, let me pray. Father, be with all of us right now. Would you fill us full of your Holy Spirit? Uh, Would you help me to speak as you would have me speak, to say everything that you want me to say, nothing more, nothing less, just the way that you would have me to say it. Lord, and would you help all of us listen well uh, to you, to your voice, through your word, and may we be transformed from one degree of glory to the next. By your spirit, we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, look at verse 3. This is Paul. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Now, uh, there was a church in Corinth that Paul's very familiar with. Corinth was a very wild and sinful city. And so they had a lot of sinful practices going on inside the church. Some of their sinful practices, many of their sinful practices, came because they had some sinful beliefs. There were were people that at least had professed to be Christian. They were Christian in name, but it wasn't clear if they were real Christians because of some of the ways that they were living their lives. And so what we're going to talk about very briefly this morning, it's going to be short, hopefully it'll be sweet, is the ABCs of walking with God in one sense. The ABCs of personal holiness. The ABCs of personal growth. And the idea is we want to kind of give you one next step when you go back to campus. Hopefully for most of us it's been a great conference. It's been fun. Maybe it's been informative. Maybe life transformational. Uh, But the real world is coming quickly when you get back to campus. Or for some of you, maybe you graduated, you're going out into the real world. What is one practical next step that you can take that can make a game-changing difference in the rest of your life? That's what we're going to look at this morning from a very brief passage. So we're going to look at actions, beliefs, and company, the ABCs. And uh, flip down or turn the page if you have to. This is a long chapter. Or just drop down to verse 32. Really short little passage I want us to look at. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 32. We're going to literally start in the middle of the verse. Okay, so go to that second sentence where it says, If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right, and do not go on sinning. Okay, for some have no knowledge of God. Now, the first thing I want us to talk about is bad actions. It's very clear from this little short passage, Paul expects Christians, more importantly, God, the Holy Spirit in Paul, through Paul, is telling us God expects Christians to have good actions, a good life, good morals, good ethics. If somebody genuinely trusts in Christ in a saving way, it is supposed to change your life. It does not happen instantly. It does not happen overnight. It is slow, but sure. It's progressive. Oftentimes it's a roller coaster ride. It's up and down. It's two steps forward, one step back. But there is supposed to be a life change. And that's what Paul is after in these Corinthian Christians. And that's what he's after in us. That's what God is after in us. I want your actions to start to look like the actions of the Lord Jesus Christ when he walked around on earth. Act the right way. 
Okay? And here's the problem, guys, is there are a lot of people that they live like practical atheists. They live like they don't believe there's a God. They may say they believe in a God. And in some sense, they may intellectually believe in a God. But practically, if you look at their lives, they don't act like they believe in a God. Imagine this. Imagine that you had a friend that was engaged to be married very soon, maybe the next few months. And let's just, uh, we'll tell this from the female perspective this morning, okay? And your friend is engaged to be married, and she says, I love my fiancé. I can't wait to get married to my fiancé. I can't wait to spend the rest of my life with my fiancé. But the whole time during the engagement, you know that she's sneaking around, sleeping with tons of different guys behind her fiancé's back. You might go to your friend and say, something's off. You tell me you love your fiancé. You tell me you're committed to your fiancé. But nothing about your actions backs up your words. Does that make sense? And guys, unfortunately, there are a ton of people, especially in the southeast portion of America these days, they claim Christ. I love Jesus. I'm committed to Jesus. But if you looked at their life, it doesn't look like they're committed to Jesus. They look like practical atheists. Where does that bad action kind of come from? Sometimes it can come from the wrong kind of thinking, bad beliefs. So, second thing, okay? Bad beliefs. Where did the bad actions come from? It came from bad beliefs. Look again at verse 32, kind of in the middle there. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. One guy was reading on this passage, he said this, If there's no such thing as a resurrection, let's party like there's no tomorrow. And here's what some people in Corinth, in that city, were teaching. They were saying, listen, when you die, you just become worm food. There's no afterlife. There's no hell. There's no heaven. There's no next life. It's like you live once. You only go around planet Earth once. And when you die, it's over. And guys, just think about it. If that's true, if there really is nothing coming on the other side of death, our motto ought to be, let us eat, let us drink, let us be merry, let us sleep around, let us party our brains out. Because there's nothing else coming, so we might as have as much fun, as quick, and as hard, and as instantaneous as we can. Sound like the college lifestyle for a lot of people, doesn't it? i got to get as much fun as I can right now. But see, here's the thing. If there really is a next life, if there really is, and listen, this is what the Bible teaches. That Christ died, and then he was raised again. And one day when Christ comes back a second time, every single person that has ever lived, good, bad, and ugly, is going to be raised again and we're going to go to a final judgment. If there is a next life, that means at least two things. There's a judgment coming and for Christians, there's joy coming. And if there's a judgment coming, that means there's accountability to how I live my life, right? You may say, I don't party my brains out publicly because that would be embarrassing and it would make my mom mad and I might flunk out of class and all these different things. But I do have a lot of secret sin. I do have a lot of hidden sin. Maybe it's a porn addiction or something like that, an eating disorder nobody else knows about. But you feel kind of comfortable because nobody knows about it. God knows. And one day, guys, all the secrets will come to light. And there's a right way to be very sober-minded about that. Every, listen, not just the things we say and do in the dark, it's just even the things we think. God knows them all. Judgment is coming. That ought to sober us up. But if you're in Christ, joy is coming. Joy is coming. 
You don't have to live and try to squeeze all the joy out of life right now, even if you have to go into sinful things, because what the Bible teaches is if you are in Christ, you're going to pass the judgment and you're going to enter into heaven and it's going to be pure bliss, pure pleasure, pure happiness forever and ever and ever. And ever. it's going to be glorious. And if you really believe that, you can say, you know what, the next 80 years of my life might be hard. There might be pain. There might be sadness. There might be suffering. I might have to make some sacrifices. There might be this girl that I'm dating that I love. I'm crushed out on. She's beautiful. She's fun. She's godly. And for some reason, she's into me. But I don't think God wants us to date right now. And maybe it's because you feel called to the mission field and she doesn't. And you really think maybe God wants you to break up with her. Now, listen, if you don't believe there's a next life coming, you're like, this is the best thing in my life. i got to hang on to this girl with all my might. But if you think... I'm going to get to be in heaven forever married to Jesus. Well, if he calls me to be single for the next 60 years, I'm really not that excited about it. I might cry about it, but I can wait because i got heaven coming. When you really have faith in the joy that is coming, it frees you up. It empowers you. Listen, one guy said it this way. Resurrection means endless hope. If you believe that Christ was raised from the dead... And that because you trusted in him, you'll be raised from the dead. That just should fill your life with hope. Resurrection means endless hope. No resurrection means a hopeless end. If there's not a resurrection, then what are we doing? We should just party our brains out. And if you're like, I'm not into the party lifestyle, what a lot of people do is, well, they just want to become a workaholic. Make a bunch of money. Save up so they can retire when they're 50 and stay on the golf course and own a boat and all that. But if you say, no, no, I got a better retirement plan than that, man. It's called heaven. And it lasts forever. And you don't have to save up for it. You'll get a boat for free from Jesus when you get to heaven if you're in him. You get something better than a boat, okay? Maybe you'll actually get a boat. I don't know, all right? Bad actions, where do they often come from? They come from bad thinking. But third point, sometimes our bad actions don't just come from bad thinking. They come from bad company. They come from the people that we hang around. Look back at verse 33. And this would be a great little verse for some of y'all to memorize. I memorized this verse in high school and it's been helpful to me ever since. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Why does he say it that way? He's basically saying, guys, don't lie to yourself. Deep down, everybody knows the people that you hang out with affect the way that you live your life. Bad company corrupts good morals. I grew up in South Georgia playing football. My football coach used to say, you lay down with dogs, you get up with fleas. You know, somebody probably wiser than my football coach one time said, show me your five best friends right now and I'll show you your future. Because you're going to end up being like those five people you hang out with. And if they're a bunch of bums, there's a great chance you're going to be a bum. But if they're going somewhere, doing something with their lives, you're probably going to go somewhere and do something. And Paul, even in verse 33, it's very interesting. That little quote, bad company corrupts good morals, he gets that from some pagan poet. And what he's trying to say is, guys, everybody knows this. Intuitively, you know it. But we try to lie to ourselves, right? I mean, some of you are pretty new Christians. You're a baby Christian. And I've worked with so many college students that say, at the end of the day, you know the thing I love? It's not the weed. It's not even the sex, although it's nice, right? It's not the drunkenness. The things that I really love the most, it's my friends. And they're all wild and crazy, but at least they're nice to me. And I feel like I'm one of the crowd. And the thought of having to leave those friends feels like having the skin ripped off my bones. 
That's what I really can't leave. But a lot of times, guys, if you really want to move forward in your Christian life, you're going to have to get a new set of friends. Let me just give you a brief little bit of my testimony. I really started walking with Christ when I was 15. Now, I'd have made a profession of faith when I was like seven years old that I trusted in Jesus. Was it real or not? I honestly don't know for sure. But here's what I know. When I got into high school, I was full-blown into the party lifestyle. I knew it was wrong. I was already memorizing Bible verses and stuff. My parents were the kind of parents that made you go to church all the time. I knew all the right answers. But every Friday and Saturday night, I was trying to sneak out of my house and party my brains out. And I was having a lot of fun doing it. But there was conviction. And what would happen is, because my parents made me go to church all the time, I'd come on some retreat like this, and I'd get convicted, and I might even stand up on the stage and say, I'm sorry, I'm never going to drink again. And then like five days later, I'm passed out somewhere with a bottle of Jack, right? It never lasted. And then finally, when I was 15, I did go to a retreat like this, and I did say, I'm done, and it did last. And you want to know the only practical difference between that time and all the other times? is I had one other friend that said, I'm going to do it with you. And we made a break with our old friend group. Guys, it was one of the hardest things I'd ever had to do. No, 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 please hear me. This is so important, especially after we talked about evangelism and missions last night. And you're like, I thought we're supposed to love those people and talk to them. Yes, you are. I'm not talking about abandoning them. I'm not talking about never talking to them again. I'm talking about they can't be your crew, your squad, whatever you want to call it. You're running around crowd anymore. For me, it was mostly the guys I played football with. And what I realized is, you know what? I can go to football practice with these guys. I can go to class with these guys. I can hang out in the cafeteria and eat with these guys. And if it's a Friday night and there's not a game and they want to go watch a movie and eat dinner, I can do that. But when they say, we're going to the cake party, I got to say, I can't go. And it's not because I'm trying to judge y'all or I don't like y'all. I really want to go. But here's the thing. I don't trust myself. If I end up at the cake party, I'm going to do a lot of stupid stuff. And I basically had to totally pull away from being around them influentially on the weekends for about two years before I felt like I could enter back into that environment. Does that make sense, guys? And listen, I hope you hear my heart in this. I care about you. I don't want you to come to this conference, make some decision, and then fall on your face tonight. I mean, some of you are going back and you're planning to go party tonight. And maybe you made a decision to not, you know, this conference, you're like, well, I'm not going to party, but I'll still go hang out with those people because they're my best buddies and I hadn't seen them. And I'm just telling you, for some of you, it's going to end badly. And if you really want to be serious about growing in Christ and progressing, one of the main lordship decisions that you probably need to make is, I am going to change my running around crew. The people that I spend most of my time with, friends and fellowship, I'm going to try to find some godly friends, whether that's through a church or campus outreach or camo or some other ministry that will push me in the right direction. Does that make sense? You know, I've had different guys coming up after different sessions asking me different questions like, well, how will I know if I'm mature enough to start dating a girl? Or I'm really struggling with this one sin and I'm trying, but I can't you know, fight it. What do I need to do next? And one of the most common answers I give in so many different scenarios is you need a mentor and you need godly accountability. You need godly friends. You need godly peers. And it comes right from this text. Okay. You need positive peer pressure. There's a proverb in the old Testament says the companion of fools. And listen, fools is an old Testament word for practical atheist. People that might say they believe in God, but they live like there is no God. The companion of fools will soon be destroyed. 
Don't have practical atheists as your best friends. Love them, spend time with them, talk to them about Christ. Your best friends, your inner circle, it needs to be Christians pushing you forward. Okay? So I hope that there are many of you here that really are inspired to leave and by God's grace to go and live for Him. But I'm just, I'm just telling you, based off of about 30 years of experience, for so many of you, if you do not make a difference in the main group of friends that you spend most of your time with, it just won't work. You can have all the right theology. You can have all the right inspiration and desire to make the right actions. You can have plans. But if you have the wrong group of friends around you, you're not strong enough to do it on your own. It's not supposed to be a lone ranger Christianity. You need friends. You need a mentor. You need accountability. Okay. Christ is risen. Christ lived the perfect life in our place that we're supposed to live. We can't live. He died the death under the wrath of God. And then he rose again to say it worked. The Father accepted my sacrifice in your place. And if you trust in me, you'll get to be resurrected one day and live in heaven. And I hope everybody hearing this believes that and says, I want to live forever in heaven and joy and bliss one day and pass through the judgment because of the blood of Jesus. And if you're motivated by that, by God's grace, take some practical steps to get new friends, other people that believe the same thing, and go be changed and change the world based on those truths. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we need grace. We need so much grace. We need wisdom. We need friends. We need the power of your Holy Spirit. I remember how hard it was for me to make these decisions when I was 15. I'm still kind of shocked that I did, and I know it wasn't my willpower. It was your grace and glory, and I pray that you would be pouring out your grace and the Holy Spirit on these students in a very similar and even a bigger and better way. I pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of Truth Wars with Dr. Olin Stubbs. We want to remind you to please leave a review for this podcast wherever you listen, and to share this podcast with any friends or family that you think may be blessed by Olin's teaching.